Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome. Welcome and, uh, well, good evening. Today's date is October 18th, 2012. You are listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date, October, wow, already October 18th, 2012, beautiful Old Town Alexandria, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. And I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The, the call-in number is 347-884-8500. It can be hard to figure out the chameleon like Obama. He talks a good game. But underneath, you know he's up to something else entirely. Entirely different from what he's saying. And it's not good. Obama reveals himself in his past speeches and associations. And in his 20-year attendance at Trinity United Church, whose pastor, Jeremiah Wright, espoused black liberation theology, telling his congregation... Quote, God bless America? No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible. End quote. We know Obama from his public embrace of racist law professor Derek Bell at Harvard University and his refusal to prosecute baton-wielding Black Panthers who intimidated white voters from the direction of his uh, current policies. And why does he wear a wedding brand, my band, inscribed that there is no God but Allah? Amid all of this, all of this and so much more, he's alienated an awful lot of people, especially those who believe that all men are created equal and stand equal before God, race relations in this country are worse now than they've been since the 1960s. Instead of a instead of a nation governed by equality, mutual respect, and brotherly love, we're a nation torn apart. Us versus them, rich versus poor, white versus black and Hispanic, women versus men. It's really quite sad. Obama ran on a platform of bipartisan unity. He was supposed to bring us all together. Right? Is it not ironic that the first black president of the United States of America, the so-called black president, has alienated this country and taken us back not forward this country is as divided today right now this evening as much as it was during the civil war years and I'm a historian I know even 
even Vice, Vice President Joe Biden, jackass Joe as I like to call him, in his recent debate with Paul Ryan, made it quite clear there was only going to be, or there was going to be no bipartisan cooperation between the Obama administration and Republicans. Not on the agenda. Obamacare, for example, was rammed through Congress without a single Republican vote. Obama created a historical landmark of political alienation with just that one alone. What happened? That's Obama in a nutshell. Nothing, he says, matches his actions. All his actions point in one direction. Either socialism or worse, economic collapse on purpose in order to institute true socialism, Marxism, or even communism. Accept this as a new form of Obamanism. All the worst traits of crony capitalism and socialism all rolled into one. So, what do you think about that? Friends and and enemies. The first so-called black president of the United States has alienated most America, most of America, completely. Paul Harvey, the late, great Paul Harvey, once talked about, on one of his shows, If I were the devil, if I were the devil. Now, I'm not suggesting that Barack Obama is the devil or even the Antichrist, at, at least not on this show today. But listen, take a moment and listen. Take, no, 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 no. Take exactly two minutes and 54 seconds and listen to what Paul Harvey had to say almost 30 years ago. Almost, listen to me, folks. Almost 30 years ago. Listen. I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. If I were the devil, I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The... So I set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. 
If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want it until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. Welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Is that eerie? Is that, do you find that to be eerie or not? If I were the devil, 30 years ago, and here we are, 30 years later, living exactly the way Paul Harvey described how things would go. Amazing. And yet again, Ayn Rand's novel, Atlas Shrugged, written in, published rather, in 1957. 1957. A government out of control, seeking to take control of industry, companies, corporations. No one individual could own more than one company. And even those companies were highly regulated, overtaxed, overregulated to the point where the producers of this great nation, of the world, simply stopped producing. The incentive for hard work, hard labor, for creating, was, t- was stripped away. After all, why work hard? Why work hard if you don't have to? Why work hard if the reward is for your efforts to be taken from you? Why strive for... Well, I was watching um, Fox and Friends earlier this morning. And there was a segment on Fox and Friends about the movie uh, concerning the movie Wall Street, where Gordon Gecko, uh, his famous line uh, "Greed is good," 
greed works. John Stossel spoke to that. How we are all motivated by greed on some level. Greedy for acceptance. Greedy to be acknowledged. Greed of money and things. Anyone, I would say, who is not greedy for something is not really living. Now, I'm not suggesting that Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Warren Buffett were primarily motivated for money, the greed of money, but success. Success in our chosen fields. For example, I started my career as a young Marine private, earning less than $500 a month. I wanted more money. I wanted more status. I wanted more responsibility. I was greedy for it. In order to get those things, I needed to move up the ranks. I needed to assert myself. I needed to work hard because I was greedy to become a private first class and then a lance corporal and then a corporal. And then I decided that an officer gets more respect, better perks, and more money. I want to be an officer. I was greedy for that. Greed is good. Greed does work. But all too often in this day and age, we are taught, no, we are conditioned to believe that greed is bad. That wanting and desiring, that achievement is bad. Bad, especially if you don't give back, if you don't share your riches. And if you... If you're someone who refuses to share your riches, then you're a bad poor person and you should be forced forced to share in the form of taxes or even to have your hard-earned things confiscated. Ayn Rand spoke to this issue in 1957 and uh, as part of a conversation that was had um, last night when we had callers call in, Achievement. We live on this earth an average of 71 years. Some of us live a little longer, some a little less. Imagine not wanting to live the very best way possible. Now, we had our Mother Teresa's. Uh, we had, we, we had have our uh, Mahatma Gandhi's. People who were not motivated or greedy for personal wealth and things, but were greedy to do things for other people, which I find laudable. And some say we should all be just like those folks. But we're not, are we? In fact, we are indeed all created equal, But we don't end up that way. And rightly so. There are, There's a lot that I know. I'm a very smart 
man. By any measure, no one would dispute that. But so is a mechanic. I'm a PhD. That alone suggests that I am a smart man. Put me, stand me next to a mechanic or even your average truck driver and say, hey, Dr. Jones, can you tell me what this is over here next to this, uh, this engine? What's this? I'm dumbstruck. Or, Dr. Jones, get inside this truck and drive it just a hundred feet down the road. I can't. I'm not that smart. There are things that I know and there are things that I don't know. And there are things where that other people know a lot more than I do. For example, I'm a computer geek. It didn't start out that way. I'm an electronics buff. But I certainly don't know everything. Hell, I can't even create my own web page. Does that make me smart? Brilliant? When this phrase reappeared after being dormant for so long, quote, the smartest man in the room, end quote, in reference to our president, how is that possible? There is no such thing as the smartest man in the room. Because there's always somebody in the room who knows something you don't. So, let's let's think about that for a moment. The alienator-in-chief is what we're talking about. Obama alienated Great Britain, our closest military ally, both with insults and official actions. He betrayed the Brits by failing to support them over the Falklands and by revealing their nuclear military secrets to the Russians. This is what Obama did. Obama has single-handedly destroyed our, quote, special relationship, end quote, with the UK. And the United States had been Israel's staunchest ally since the founding of this nation in 1948. No more. Obama sides with the Palestinians and openly supports the Muslim Brotherhood. He sent two and a half billion of our tax dollars to the new Muslim Brotherhood government in Egypt just a year ago. Obama has repeatedly snubbed and insulted Israel, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and has voted, vetoed rather, a preemptive strike to Iran to halt their clandestine nuclear weapons program. The Israelis no longer trust the Americans, and who can blame them? Oh, and by the way, once again, there's that wedding ring that Obama wears uh, that is inscribed, There is no God but Allah. Interesting. As soon as Obama took office, he went on a whirlwind tour of the world. It turned out to be a personal mission to insult America's traditional allies, and encourage and integrate himself. I'm sorry. Yeah, himself to Americans' enemies, especially the radical Islamists. Obama has reversed the entire course of American policy. 
much to the detriment of freedom, liberty, and stability in the world at large. After four years of inept and counterproductive Obama foreign policy, the world is on the brink of economic ruin, warfare, and chaos. Now, some might say that Obama is, in fact, a true candidate as the Antichrist. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now, is it not true that the world is on the brink of economic ruin, warfare, and chaos? And Obama is the author of all. He presides over it. Now, we're not going to do, unfortunately, we're not going to do the Antichrist segment today, the, the broadcast. We'll save that for a weekend show. Because that's always so much fun. Melinda's in the house. Mary's here. Obama girl. Now, uh, oh, Obama girl has typed something in the room. Uh, that is absolutely ridiculous. Now you're just spouting faux news propaganda. I wonder what, what part of what I said was faux news propaganda. I'd really like to know that part. Melinda's in the house. Stephen, everybody's here. We've got a full house, and I love it. Dana's here. Evil Clown, Casanova Frankenstein, Alexander Solo, all those guests that I threatened and cajoled and threatened. Uh, Swing Easy, Mary, Marine Times, from the uh, the Marine Corps newspaper, Marine Times. Racism. Racism. No politician in American history has gotten more mileage out of racial demagoguery than our post, no, no, our quote, post-racial president. No, 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 no. Quote, post-racial, end quote. President Barack Obama. But it's cost him. White Americans are sick and tired of being tagged as racist for merely disagreeing with his progressive agenda. A friend of mine said to me a few weeks back, and I quote, the hoods have come off, end quote. And she made that statement in reference to Republicans who are going against, who are fighting back against Obama's policies. She said that her and a group of friends got together and had a discussion. And they came to the conclusion, and I quote, the hoods have come off. I said to her, well, where were those hoods in 2008? I mean... It takes quite a few more white folks in order for Obama to get get elected. He can't rely solely on African Americans or blacks, as I call us, and Hispanics. You got to have some white folks in there. So were these all Klansmen who voted for Obama? in 2008 and then decided that they didn't like him anymore and they were going to reveal their true selves? I don't understand the 
hoods have come out off comment. But if you don't agree with Barack Hussein Obama or his policies, you're either a racist, a sellout, an Uncle Tom. Stacey Dash comes to mind, a beautiful black woman who simply disagrees with Obama's policies and the direction he's taking the country. And she was vilified for it. Melinda writes in the chat room, Did you see that Michelle Obama broke the debate rules? She was clapping loudly, and she was clapping when Romney was trying to speak. Of course. Of course. Melinda is absolutely right. And it was, it was I mean, it was put out there in the news. Michelle Obama and Barack Obama believe that they are they're above our petty rules. They believe, and in fact are deluded into believing that they are the black version of John F. Kennedy and, and Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy. They think that they are the new Camelot. They're deluded into believing that the rules simply do not apply to them. The law doesn't apply to Barack Obama. And in fact, actual truth doesn't apply either. Barack Obama spent 90 minutes lying, just out, flat out lying. How do you do that with a straight face? Knowing fully well that the things you say are going to be verified after you say them. And still, with a very straight face, you lie your ass off. But if you disagree with Barack Hussein Obama, you're a racist. Now, me being black, if I disagree with Barack Obama, I'm not so much a racist. I'm simply a sellout, an Uncle Tom, an Oreo. Or I am deluded. I had a gentleman on Facebook threaten me. Can you imagine? <laughs> that guy's deluded thinking he could threaten me because I'll actually go look for him. He doesn't have to come to me. I'll go to him. And I stated as much. He said that, why would you... Why would you be so insulting towards the first black president of the United States? Why would you be why are you being so disrespectful? He went on to state that I'm going to you're going to and I quote you're going to get yours in the end. He actually wrote that on Facebook. And of course I replied, "Well, why don't you be the one to give me mine? I'll come see you." He happened to be a former classmate of mine, a high school classmate, so it just so happened that we were having an all-classroom Finger Academy picnic um, a, a couple of weeks hence. So I said, you, you go ahead and show up at the picnic, and then you show me how I'm going to get mine, because I'll be there. Will you be there? Can you imagine being threatened over a politician Barack Obama is nothing more to me than a politician. He represents nothing good simply because he possesses the same skin tone as me. 
defies logic to suggest that I would owe an allegiance to a a scrawny, big-eared, funny-looking little man just because he wears the title of president and he happens to be the same skin color of me and judge a man not by the color of his skin but by the content of his character. Am I right? You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Obama is making serious missteps. Obama calls the uh, on the on the on, on the Daily Show. Obama calls the killing of four Americans in Libya not optimal. Not optimal. Will somebody please boot this man out of office? Just for that alone. Just for that alone, dude, you have got to go. President Obama sat down with John Stewart for an interview that will air on the Daily Show tonight. According to White House pool reports, they talked for a little less than 15 minutes. And while some questions were lighthearted, others weren't. Stewart asked Obama about the attacks on the American consulate in Benghazi. And Obama explained why the information the White House released after the attacks was so confusing for so long. Here's the question. Here's a transcript of the question. John Stewart, quote, It's part of the investigation helping the communication between these divisions. Not just what happened in Benghazi, but what happened within. Because I would say, even you would admit, it was not the optimal response, at least to the American people, as far as all of us being on the same page, end quote. President of the United States, oh, aren't we so proud of him? Here's what I'll say. If Americans, if four Americans get killed, it's not optimal. We're going to fix it. All of it. And what happens during the course of a presidency is that the government is a big operation. And any given time, something screws up. And you make sure that you find out what's broken and you fix it. Whatever else I have done throughout the course of my presidency, the one thing that I've been absolutely clear about is that American security comes. And the American people need to know exactly how I make decisions when it comes to war, peace, security, and protecting Americans. And they will continue to get that over the next four years of my presidency. Now, let me just say this. Damn. Just just damn. Dude, he doesn't give a shit about these four people. Obviously. That whole crap about having to stand there when the coffins come in, he's more concerned about the political ramifications of four Americans being killed. Not the four Americans themselves. He needs to make sure that he takes his sweet time and doesn't jump to conclusions such as uh, an act of terror on the anniversary of 9-11 and saying that uh, well, it was all some stupid video. 
Because here's the thing. Obama is running for re-election on the bin Laden is dead and al-Qaeda's on the run. Oh, and by the way, you know, it's not like uh, George Bush, you know, where everybody hated us because I'm the president and everybody loves America now. And if they don't love America, it's not my fault. It's the fault of the weather. It's the fault of some video. It's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. President Obama is is not only a poor excuse for a president, to my mind. He's a poor excuse for a man. I mean, just damn. He is a poor excuse for a man. What man? What real man? The man that the men that our mothers raised us to be doesn't take full responsibility and carry the weight of the world on his shoulders when even one America, one American is, is, is killed. If I were president of the United States, Dr. C. Robert Jones III, you kill four of mine, I kill 400 of yours. It's just that simple. No, there's no uh, deliberation. There's no taking my sweet time. There's no sympathizing. There's certainly no apologizing. This is why a lot of us, a lot of us conservatives, miss Ronald Reagan so much. We talk about him, even though he is long dead. We revere the man because he stood in my opinion, for what was good about America, what America was all about, he he helped us to feel good about America. Obama wants us to feel bad about America and good about the world. The world. There's no doubt in my mind, even Bill Clinton shot off a couple of cruise missiles when American lives were taken. Barack Obama, he went on the view. He went on the view. Barack Obama, he, he went to Vegas. Barack Obama, he, he hung out with the pimp with the limp. Barack Obama, he uh he was just three blocks down the road from the UN meeting where heads of state from all over the globe met to talk about world affairs. But Obama's administration said that he simply didn't have the time. That, And I quote, if he met with one world leader, he'd have to meet with ten. Well, God damn it. Dude, that is your job. That's what we hired you for. Do your damn job. Did we hire President Obama to go on the view? To sit between those old sows and gab about being eye candy, for God's sake? Dude is not even remotely handsome. I don't know what kind of eye candy that would be. Like sour taffy or something. I don't know. He's not even remotely good looking. 
I don't know what kind of eye candy that would be. But here, here he is, partying, hanging out with stars and starlets, raising money for his campaign. Four Americans are dead. Even Bill Clinton would be in the war room taking care of business. Down in the basement. Even Bill Clinton. This guy, he's a pussy. Excuse my, you know, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not sorry. That's what he is. He's a skinny little candy ass who probably got his lunch money taken every single day. He was in school. And like most of you and me, he didn't have like this sense of, well, now it's payback. He's still a candy ass. How could you not protect American lives? How could you allow four Americans to die in such a horrible way and then go off to Vegas? Or The View? Or Miami? To hang out with a DJ or sit in the Oval Office next to a dude dressed as a pirate, for God's sake. How do you do that? Are you not embarrassed? Are you not embarrassed that this man is the leader of the free world and your president? Black skin to all to be damned. Who gives a damn about that? The guy sucks. He sucks. He is basking in the glow of being president and all that that entails except actually doing his job. You could tell by the first debate that he didn't really want to be there. He'd rather be sitting between J-Lo and Beyonce and quite frankly, so would I. But I'm not the president of the United States. Dude probably has forgotten what the actual Oval Office looks like. I bet he I would bet that he hasn't sat his his ass in that chair in a month. It's got to be embarrassing. Four Americans get killed. It's not optimal. Do your job, dude. Pennsylvania, shock poll. Romney, 49. Obama, 45. Gallup poll. Romney, 52. Obama, 45. Dude is losing. And we predicted this. We predicted that Obama was going to get his ass handed to him because he's not doing his job. And I, I, I submit that he doesn't really want to be reelected. Otherwise, he wouldn't be doing such stupid things. North Carolina, Romney, 52. Obama, 46. And, and what's worse, black folks and others are threatening to riot and kill Whitey if Obama is not reelected. Kill Whitey. If Obama is not reelected. Is this what we've come to, folks? 
Is this what we've come to? Kill Whitey. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come right back. Stan's in the house. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Welcome to another edition of You Guessed It, You Got It, and that's how we do it, live and direct with Juicy Rocks and the Captain. What's crack a lacking? What's crack a lacking? I'll tell you what's crack a lacking. Juicy, what's a crack a lacking, baby? What's cracking? Oh, it's cracking, man, as everybody else, but everybody seems to love your style, brother. What's cracking? Juicy, you are the man. You are the man, dude. I tell you what, I love this topic. I love it. I wish I thought of it myself. I'm jealous. I got envy. I got envy right now. What's crack a lacking, Dana? My brother from another mother. How are we, sir? <laughs> What's cracking, sister? What's crack a lacking, What's crack a lacking? What do you got to say, ma'am? I just got to say, awesome show. Just totally awesome. That's right, folks. We keep it crack a lacking, and we do it for love of country. So make sure that you listen to live and direct with Disky Rocks and the Captain every Monday and Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time www.20-20radio.com Always crack-a-lacking and it's always served with bacon and gravy, baby. Bacon and gravy. Life of 
Welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Folks, the movie Atlas Shrugged Part 2 is out. Now, I saw an advanced screening over a month ago because I got it like that. But maybe you haven't seen it yet. And I want to send a special shout-out to my main man, Stan. He's new to the Situation Report. Oh, and by the way, you can listen to my show on Spreaker or Stitcher Radio. You can get the app for your iPhones or your Droid. Or you can download my shows on on uh, on iTunes. In the very first broadcast all the way up till today, if you like. But this shout-out here goes to my man Stan. Atlas Shrugged Part 2. It relates to the conversation um this shout out is relate is in relation to the converse, conversation uh he and I had when he called in yesterday and the relevance of the Ayn Rand classic to the policies of Barack Obama now ironically this novel Atlas Shrugged is selling better now than when it was first released are job creators going to give up on the U.S. economy? Are job creators going to give up on the U.S. economy? And just quit. Hi, and welcome to a special Atlas Shrugged episode of InstaVision. I'm Glenn Reynolds. Well, Atlas Shrugged Part 2 is actually in theaters now, and today I'm joined by one of its producers, Harmon Caslow, to talk more about the movie. Well, welcome back to the show, Harmon. Good to be back, Clint. Now, in Atlas Shrugged, Ayn Rand imagined a world where the wealth creators disappeared from society. Uh, that was supposed to be a cautionary tale. It seems like this administration treats it more as kind of a how-to manual. Uh, but here's something uh, Wynn Resort CEO Steve Wynn recently said. I'm afraid of the president. I have no idea what goofy idea, what crazy anti-business program this administration will come up with. I have no idea. And I have to tell you, John, that every business guy I know in the country is frightened of Barack Obama and the way he thinks. All right. So do you think job creators are at a breaking point here? I mean, is this for real? Is that what's actually shrugging? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think that they are. Um, and it is interesting, John Aglioloro, my producing partner, is an entrepreneur, and he really, you know, has a pulse also on what's going on out there. And in addition to Steve Wynn, you hear other CEOs making the same sorts of statements. And, and what I found interesting is, you know, here Steve Wynn is a guy that actually voted for Barack Obama. So it's not like he's been sort of stewing in his juices waiting for four years. I mean, he really did believe, and now he's seeing this kind of collectivist, socialist, type mentality coming out of the White House, and uh, yeah, they're throwing up their arms and shrugging. Yeah, I thought it was actually really interesting because the, the New York Observer, which is kind of a typical sort of Manhattan left newspaper, uh, endorsed Mitt Romney this time. And they said they endorsed Mitt Romney because Obama comes to town, takes their money, says he loves them, and then bashes fat cats in Wall Street and basically the industry that keeps New York and Manhattan alive. Uh, so I wonder if that, that, and they endorsed Obama last time. So I think, I wonder if there isn't more of that going on uh, than we see, and maybe with smaller business people, too. Yeah, no, I mean, what, what we're finding with the movie is they're really seeing this as an opportunity 
to try to get the swing voters to be exposed to Ayn Rand's message, which is really simple. Uh, it's about individual rights, smaller government, free markets. These are the things that the candidates are talking about. These are the things that are on people's minds. She warned us about them 50 years ago, and here you see Steve Wynn and others basically saying they're about to shrug. Yeah, it's funny because I was, I was driving out to the studio last week and I heard one of your radio commercials on the air. Like, it, 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 the parallels are, are really very close. Well, I know Yaron Brook at the Ayn Rand Institute actually says Atlas Shrugged is selling better today than it did when it was first released. Uh, is that why the story is still resonating with people? Because it, it looks more like a how-to manual than a cautionary tale these days? Yeah, I mean, I think that in, in addition to – well, first off, the book is incredibly inspiring to the people that, that have read it. Uh, about 20 years ago, Library of Congress did a survey and asked people what books influenced them the most – Atlas Shrugged showed up as number two. And so literally with no advertising, this book has continued to sell hundreds of thousands of copies. And so you really have a loyal army of people that really believe that if they can get other people to become like-minded uh, and think about these things, perhaps we can get back to what this country was founded upon. All right. Welcome back, folks, to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. There you have it. Objectivist. Objectivism. The Ayn Rand Institute, uh, the Atlasphere uh, website. More and more people are becoming devotees uh, and, and, and becoming more and more familiar with objectivism and the idea that God created us to be the best that we can be. God didn't create us to be of service to anyone. We choose to be of service, but we weren't created to serve other people. It's not the objective, or the, the objection, the objective. Uh, I, I, I live for me. I do not live for anyone else. I don't live for my children. I don't live for my family. I live for me. And in living for me, and being the best person I can be, I am able to help other people when I so choose to do so, without being forced or guilted into doing so. Objectivism. Ayn Rand's novel, I produce things and create for me. Does anyone suffer under the delusion that Bill Gates... Steve Jobs, Thomas Alva Edison, the Wright brothers, created for the sake of someone else, perhaps you and me way in the future? Or did they do so because they were driven to be productive, to create? Perhaps ego was involved, greed perhaps. Do not labor un, under the delusion that these people created and became wealthy so that they could help you solely for that purpose, because that's not the purpose. Jesus, in fact, did call us to serve one another. Mary writes in the chat room, in fact, that is true. Jesus calls us to serve one another. Not the United States government or any other government. 
We serve each other according to our will, not the will of the United States government. We should not be forced into serving someone else in the form of having uh, unnecessary or vast amounts of taxes, our land taken away, our, our worldly possessions and given to others. And that's the kind of service that I am fighting against. Over-regulation, over-taxation in order to spread the wealth around and make things fair. Mary in the chat room is so right. God, God, the Lord God called us to serve each other. And the United States government should not be confused with God or any other deity. Certainly not God. So thank you, Mary. I appreciate that. I appreciate your reminding me that God, not government. So many people nowadays can't distinguish or refuse to distinguish between the two. Well, our time's almost up for the night. I want to thank everybody for listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Alexander Solo, Casanova Frankenstein, Evil Clown, Mary, Stan, everyone. Obama girl also, of course. There are so many things that you could be doing right now, and you've chosen to take just a, a few minutes of your time to listen to my show, and I so do appreciate it. We're vastly approaching more than 200,000 listens, and it's all thanks to you. I happen to be one of the most popular blog talk radio shows, at least on the conservative side. And it's because you tune in, and I do so appreciate it. I can't say that enough. I uh, want to thank you all tonight. Have a great night. God bless you. Enjoy a little football. And God bless the United States of America. You guys are great. We're out of here. Good night, folks. <laughs>